Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to our very first episode of Attacking Third. We are so honored to be here. This is a show exclusively about women's football in the world. I mean, what an honor. This is now also on the Golazo Network. It used to be a podcast, but we are here now in TV format. Guys, I am Jenny Chu alongside Lisa Carlin, Jordan Angeli, and Darian Jenkins. And we are so honored to be here today. I mean, this is a monumental moment. Just to be sitting here talking about women's soccer, something that we all love. Um, Jordan, let's start with you here. Okay. <laughs> How have you seen the interest of this game grow and the fact that we are now speaking on a TV show directly about women's soccer only? It's grown immensely. I think a lot of us think about the 99 World Cup and that's when we really started falling in love with the game and wanted to be a part of it in a bigger standpoint. So from then to now, it has grown so much. Yeah. I was in a double-wide trailer my first year as a professional. That was our <laughs> locker room. And now teams have their own facilities. We're talking about those facilities. <laughs> exactly. We're doing all this. It has grown so much, and it is, it's fun to be a part of because it's a, an exciting game, and there's a lot happening all the time. Darian, yeah. you just retired recently. I did. And you've now made the move over, and you've seen the growth of the game, and how excited are you to be a part of all of this? Oh, I'm so excited. I've been through it, too. I've been in trailers, been worst of the worst, the best of the best, so... Being a part of this is incredible and it becoming so easy for our fans to engage with as well because yeah. you know how difficult it is to try to tell somebody where a game is. You have to mm -hmm. download this, 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 <laughs> this, blah, blah, blah. And now we're here talking about it and really elevating the game and really giving these players and these teams and these incredible women the platform to really go out there mm -hmm. and give them the support that they need and keep growing the sport. I love it from both of you. But Lisa, 
you just celebrated the two-year anniversary of the podcast that you and Sandra were the head of. Um, you guys had over 400 episodes. Yeah. I think um, you guys were, were absolutely amazing, and you're the number one soccer brand in America. I mean, what you did was pave the way for us to have this television show here today. So you speak about the growth and, and how you can grow with all ladies. of your chills <laughs> podcasts. Because of, of the growth of the women's game, as, as both Darian and Jordan talked about in not just the NWSL, but in the world, there are people that are wanting to consume this information and they haven't had a place to be able to do that three times a week on television with Galazzo Network and now that's a possibility and and when we started this podcast two years ago and you're exactly right 429 episodes it was supposed to be three times a week and before we knew it uh, we were doing more than that with live episodes emergency episodes whatever was going to happen we were ready Sandra and I to go live to talk about it to preview to recap um, we've covered a lot of cool things but it is about to level up we've already leveled up level we're up. sitting here we're in a studio and and we get to break it down yeah. I mean the amount of resources that are going into this is absolutely amazing and to, to be here with you guys is just a monumental moment for me also yeah. you know just mm -hmm. the fact that we are talking about women's soccer on a television show like I don't think that that I, I don't think I can ever swallow that yet. like this yeah. morning driving here I was getting emotional I'm like me too this is a big deal mm -hmm. and we get to be at the forefront of this so you know honored to be sitting here with you guys today and these are not the only people that you're gonna see on the show we are going to have so many guests on the top level guests but we're also gonna have just this week we have Anita Jones joining Poppy Miller will be hosting Ali Tross Martin and Christine Cupo so we're gonna have a ton of different voices that care about the women's game and it's going to be outstanding and we're gonna make sure we get the best interviews from all around the world oh, you'll yeah, see absolutely. today a sneak peek of that um, but ladies the Women's World Cup starts in three days. We have to get immediately into the expectations of this U.S. women's national team. That's the biggest thing on everyone's mind. Jordan, start with you. It's perfect timing, too, to launch this right now because the Women's World Cup is happening and the U.S. team is trying to go three-peat. It would be the first team to ever go three championships in a row when you talk about World Cup. And that's the expectation for this team. It is to win the World Cup. You've seen it in the commercials they've put out mm. that have been on the edge of yeah. overconfident. <laughs> and I would go further than that. Yeah. Typical and, U.S. But I think that this team, it is an external factor that now the United States as a whole expects them to win mm -hmm. but also internally this team is driven like no other team you have ever been a part of you go into camp with them and you are immediately hit with every single thing matters every detail matters and so that is built into what this team wants I think the big question is going to be how are they going to handle this stage when it comes to adaptation of tactics because we know that this U.S. team likes to play fast they like to get in behind they they like to get aggressive at teams when it comes to their style of play but what if a team sits in a low block they've struggled with that a number of times over the last year and a half under Vlako and Donofsky. so they're gonna have to make some of those decisions on the fly and I think that that with the expectation to win the World Cup is going to be a big question for this squad how do they adapt yeah I completely agree and I think uh, knowing having Vlako as a coach and seeing how he tactically picked the team and the squad he's assembled I can see with the really young players that they brought in or the people that are debuting with their first World Cup is to have those work on that tactical adaptation with these forwards that are 1v1 specialists and incredible finishers and bring immense defensive work, I think, too, is something that is going to be really refreshing and help them with, you know, subs and tactical lineups and how they're going to break these teams down that you're right, will sit in a low block because the U.S. is going to come out guns a-blazing attacking heavy, 
super direct. And I just think that's going to help them beat these teams that will have that awareness and hopefully yeah. get the dubs. Yeah. 14 yeah. new players. 14, there's mm -hmm. 14 players of them. That and have never played in the World Cup before. And it's uh, two sides to that coin, right? It, it provides a lot of freshness to this team and, and what they can bring out for it. But, Darian, you're talking about the forwards that mm -hmm. are young on this squad and what they can do. I think a big question mark comes down to the defense. Um, you look at the center backs that Black Lewandowski has brought in. Only three of them. The two that will most likely get the starting nod, Alana Cook and Naomi Gurma. They've only started three times together in 2023. They do have collegiate career to lean back mm -hmm. on. 22 mm -hmm. games together at the, as a center back pairing in Stanford in 2018. But it's a young, it is a new and a fresh back line mm -hmm. that is going to have to immediately have cohesiveness heading into this World Cup. And if you're opposition, you're looking at that back line and saying, hey, I'm attacking those new young players. Crystal Dunn, the only veteran on that back four line for the United States. I, I would argue that Naomi Gurma, and I have been arguing this on Morning Footy, that she has leadership capability and the way oh, that she yeah. can lead she that back line, whether or not she has a veteran experience in a World Cup, we've mm -hmm. seen across her career, especially during the W Championship that CBS also covered. I was on the ground there, and she was alongside Becky Sauerbrunn for a lot of those games, but you could see that she has that mm -hmm. persona. Mm -hmm. You know, we as players are very familiar with the personality that is a leader, and she has that. So um, rest assured, we know that there are young players on the defensive side, and that's mm -hmm. something to keep an eye on. But Darian, you were talking about the attackers, the new attackers, and what mm -hmm. they are formatting there. Yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. You see so many 1v1 specialists. They're super aggressive going forward, loving to combine, taking shots that I don't think we typically see from <laughs> players this young. And just this, the utmost confidence going into this, and I think... The squad that he's assembled on the front line has really hit. Everybody's kind of in the zone right now. Mm -hmm. Everybody's scoring goals. Everybody's having a great NWSL season. And so it's going to be exciting to see really what they do and hit the sweet spot going into the tournament because especially when you're debuting, you have nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. You're just going out to have fun. I think it's a little... You can take it both ways, but I think it's a little less pressure. You can just go out and really perform and be creative and go to score some goals. That's, that's the mindset <laughs> yeah. you have to have. I think Sophia Smith has been on fire, 10 goals in NWSL play, mm -hmm. so she's coming in on fire. I think it was really important for Trinity Rodman to get those goals Absolutely. against Wales mm -hmm. because she's had a little bit of an up-and-down NWSL season. There's a lot of expectations on her, mm -hmm. not only because of her last name and yeah. what she represents um, for sports in the United States, but because she has shown the wealth of knowledge she has on both sides of the ball. Absolutely. But number one, you have to put the ball in the back of the net. If you're mm -hmm. a forward, you know that very well. Mm -hmm. So I think that that was such a confidence boost going into the World Cup that Rodman got on the score sheet. Yeah, against Wales, Rodman got two. She came on at halftime, though. And I think throughout this World Cup for the United States, a theme is going to be substitutes for them because yes. of the tactical breakdown that, Jordan, you brought up as, as maybe a blockage for them to meet those expectations of winning the World Cup. It comes down to the substitutes on the field because if, if they can talk tactics on the sideline with their coaching staff and, and look at the iPad, look at the plays, and then sub onto the pitch, I think that's where we're going to see the U.S. lean a lot on their tactical awareness to break down opposition. Mm -hmm. I think that's an incredibly interesting point because after that Wales match, I was thinking, well, I think Trinity Rodman won the starting spot from here on out over Alyssa Thompson. But then you go to question, was that part of the game plan? Is that something that mm -hmm. Lockwood was looking for, yeah, for yeah. Alyssa to run the defenders a bit and then bring in Trinity Rodman with her clinicalness yeah. on that front foot? Mm -hmm. I think that one of the most interesting things about the United States women's team is they play a lot of games. 
So there's Tons. a lot of tape on them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas other countries don't play as many games. So they can bring in nuances that you've never seen before. So I think you're right on that, Jenny. Maybe Alyssa Thompson gets the start to just say, okay, one, give this young 18 year old who just graduated high school <laughs> some confidence. Like a week ago. <laughs> yeah. Just turn in her final paper, confidence that she fits in here and she belongs here. But I also think that that's maybe not the exact starting lineup that we're going to see. No. If Rose Lavelle's yeah, healthy, so if, if Rose Lavelle's healthy, I don't know. Maybe you get her oh. some starting minutes yeah. in the first game because there's a little. Um, it's going to be a little less of an. In, it's still going to be an intense game, but it's not going to be the Netherlands like you're playing mm -hmm. later in the group. Uh, it'll be interesting what Vlaco implements right away, but I think they have to be changing, be willing to be adaptable in moments. That's going to be right. really key for this team. One of the bigger things is we've talked about that the young players and how many of them are brought onto the fold, but let's talk about that veteran experience, mm. Lisa, that is already on this team. Yeah, when you look at the veterans on this roster, I mean, I think all eyes point to Megan Rapinoe. She's announced that this is her last World Cup, but she this will be also her fourth World Cup. Alex Morgan, you look at Alyssa Nair in goal as well, Kelly O'Hara. There's a number of players that are going to lead this team in their veteran abilities. Alex Morgan named one of the co-captains of this squad. Um, she's worn the captain's band a number of times but it's going to be a different role for these veterans and these players. And when you look at the, the breakdown of the roster with 14 players headed to their first World Cup and nine that are returning, um, that's very uneven. Mm -hmm. and, and those veterans are going to have to use their experience from before, the adversity they went through, not just in former World Cups, but you look back to the Olympics in 2021, there was a lot of adversity thrown at this team. How can they transition that to these 14 new players headed to an international tournament and the World Cup and and kind of protect them a little bit from yeah. the, the things that are going to be thrown at them, but also prepare them for all the pressure because as the number one team in the FIFA rankings <laughs> and the expectation to win it, there's the biggest target on the United States back and these players have to be ready for that. There we see the group stages where the U.S. Women's National Team starts their World Cup against Vietnam. They also have Netherlands, as Jordan mentioned earlier, and then Portugal to finish off that group stage. Ladies, uh, this is incredible that we have so much to say, and I'm sure that we can continue to go on and on and on <laughs> about this topic. Um, but when we talk about the U.S. having so many new players, obviously we have to talk about the format of the tournament. There is now 32 teams in this tournament as opposed to the previous 24 teams. So while the U.S. has many players that don't have that much experience on this World Cup stage, a lot of them have played in youth World Cups. Yeah. That's one thing yeah. to, to mention. But the people that they're playing against have never played an international tournament at this level. So something to keep an eye on. And there's so much at stake here for everybody involved. But don't go anywhere because we have so much more for you after this break. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Well, we are now joined by our very first guest on Attacking Third. It is an honor. We did not have to think too hard about who we wanted to be our very first guest a legend of the game on the U.S. Women's National Team, co-founder of Bay FC, Brandy Chastain. It is an absolute honor to have you on our first. It is an honor to be with you, ladies. I, I love seeing um, all these intelligent women leading the conversation about soccer. So this is great for me. 
Just Thank to get straight me. into it, Brandy. Your penalty kick moment is what you've talked about for many, many years now. And I just want to talk about how that moment has influenced the growth of the game throughout and, and what we see today with our women's national team. Well, I think there's two ways to look at it. I think one is just the external, outside of the normal soccer fan um, spectrum and how many people have been drawn in by that, that World Cup, not just by the moment, but just the enormity of the 90,000 plus people at the Rose Bowl and and the ripple effects that that game had uh, going forward. Can't tell you how many times I've spoken with people about how they got involved with soccer for the first time, whether that's in coaching, whether that's in fandom, whether that's in playing. And it, it's just, it, it, it makes me so happy every time I hear it. I think in terms of uh, the game itself, I think globally, it, it really put uh, federations and FIFA to look at the value of women's football and to see that they have grossly undervalued this great resource that it, that it's had for so long. And even though we're not where we want to be, we're, we're edging closer to the place that we deserve to be. The game is growing, Brandy, with now 32 teams yep. headed to the World Cup, and we are just days away from the opening ceremonies. It has to take you back to 99. How does leading up to this World Cup um, bring you back to those moments right before the 1999 World Cup? I'm nervous as hell. I'm not going <laughs> to um, I'm very excited. I'm excited and I'm nervous, and I'm, you know, I, I'm just anticipating every match I've already I was literally up at like 3 30 this morning I went to the FIFA website I looked at who's up what time the games are and I'm planning my life around this World yeah. Cup and I can hardly wait to get there yeah. in uh for the semi-final and final in Sydney so uh, there's I, I'm so excited for the teams that have not been there before I watched the last few games um uh, you know Panama Haiti uh, Zambia, you know, like all these teams who are going and just, mm -hmm. you know, the exaltation that that happened when the final whistle blew and, you know, how amazing they must be feeling right now uh, about being on the precipice of their first ever World Cup. And then I think about also the 14 players of the U.S. national team who have never been to a World Cup. And what is the different storylines between those two uh, entities, right? That 14 and all those teams that haven't been there. So I think there's a lot of great stories that we're about to learn about and a lot of great players that we're about to see. Yeah, if you're getting up at 3.30, you're going to be able to watch all of them live, Brandy. So you're in the right. <laughs> I do not. I do not even need an alarm clock. Like, I am strictly wired for women's soccer all the time. So I am going to be up. We love to hear it. Brandy, you have one of the most iconic moments in not just women's soccer history, but in the history of soccer. And it's something when I was a kid, when I watched the 99ers World Cup, I went outside and was replicating with all of my teammates and it really, it inspired my playing career. You're such a fan. Who do you see on the US seeing an iconic moment or living up to those moments that um, you see that potential happening? Who on the roster? Uh, you know, I think we have to shout out uh, Sophia Smith. Mm -hmm. I think she's going to be an X factor for us. I, honestly, I think she's going to have to score a ton of goals. Mm -hmm. um, I think this this tournament defending is going to be something that we have to put as our number one priority, and I'm not sure that that's where our head's at mm -hmm. uh, or our game plan is. So, you know, we're going to have to score a lot of goals. Uh, she is quite talented. Obviously, 
you know, I got to see too much of her um, sitting on the sideline at Santa Clara University when she played <laughs> at Stanford. But, um, you know, she is a talent. She's mm -hmm. kind of a one in a generational talent. And I look forward to her making big strides and making a big impact. I think she's got the right disposition. She loves scoring goals. She gets into the right places. She can run past people. She's comfortable with the ball at her feet. She can finish with both feet. So honestly, I think she's going to make a huge difference. I think Naomi Gurma, you know, in the less sexy position of mm -hmm. center back, um, you know, organizing and having that calm and that composure. She's very intelligent. You know, she comes from my hometown, so she knows she's full of greatness. Um, and so, um, you know, I think those two players are really going to be big impact players for the U.S. Yeah. And the fact that they're young players is obviously speaking to the future, but they have to step up big right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You just mentioned uh, Santa Clara Broncos, so I got to say, go Broncos, Brandy. You <laughs> coached me a lot when I was in college. You had a lot of insight for me from the sideline in training sessions. You are a coach yourself. You love this game with all of your heart. You. There are going to be some difficult decisions for Vlatko Andonovsky. He's going to have to take some risks. What do you foresee being some of the difficult things that he's going to have to face over these, this next month, hopefully? Yeah, this is a this is a great question, and I think it's one of those that I don't think most people would envy his position in that way, Jordy. Like you know, having to make those really tight decisions in these really pressure cooker kind of moments. But I think as coaches, that's part of what we sign up for, right? Um, I, I would love to be making the decisions that he's making, and I think you have to go with uh, a, a great balance of veteran experience with these young, talented flyers who are going to absolutely threaten uh, the, the defenses of the opponents we're going to play. And I think before that even happens, what, what must be going on, I am sure, is that there's a lot of communication, a lot of communication about what does it look like? What does a whole World Cup look like? What, is, what does it look like game by game? What's the role and responsibility of every player, whether you're playing 90, playing a half, you're on the bench, uh, you never get in. You know, what does that all look like and how valuable each and every one of those are? I've, I've been the role player in all of those positions. And, and really, even though we all want to be in the game, they are all critical. And so I really hope that Blacko tends to that portion so that every single player feels empowered mm -hmm. to fulfill their role in a way that they feel is absolutely contributing to the outcome of every game. Brandy, when we talk about the 99ers and the amount of pressure that that now leaves for the future generations and this one as well, um, how can they manage that when they're at this stage? Because you're the only person here that has been in, you know, three days from a World Cup and what that feels like and looks like. Yeah, you know, honestly, I think you know, as you're picking your team, you know, you hope that you're picking players who have uh, the fortitude to handle pressure, right? You're going to have to do that if you're going to a World Cup. You, you can't go in with a group of players who are can't handle being under the spotlight, being asked to come through in a big in a big way. So I think those players have kind of felt some of that already. Um, I think also on top of that, you know, Vlaco doesn't know what that's like. So mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's up to some of the veteran players really to help uh, the coaching staff as well as the players that have been there. Megan Rossino, Julie Ertz, to name two specifically, 
who have just, you know, been leaders and been in big moments. And you can see that they understand them and that, you know, they love the environment that they are in. You know, Kelly O'Hara is probably another player um, who will help in that manner. So, you know, I think it's managing people where they are, what they have to offer um, and saying, listen, this is a once in a lifetime. We have to enjoy it as much as, you know, as we can. And remember, nobody can put more pressure on us than us. Mm -hmm. So forget about the all the external stuff that's happening and just let's go out and be who we are and do what we do well. And if we do those things, then results will come our way. Clip that, right? It's only a matter of time. Three days. The countdown <laughs> is on. Brandy, we've talked to you about the growth of the game globally, but it's happening domestically in the NWSL. And congratulations are in order to you with Bay FC. You're joining yeah. us live from the Bay right now. Since the initial <laughs> launch and, and the logo, the colors, the name of Bay FC, what else has been happening with Bay FC? What can you share with us? Well, we, uh, we are going to make an announcement about where we'll play. We're going to make an announcement about... Uh, some other hirings that we've done that we feel are going to change the landscape of how management and women's uh, football is going to go in the future. Mm. And, you know, ultimately, the most important thing we have left to do is the soccer piece and getting uh, the players and the coaching staff in place, which we're really looking forward to doing. We believe in our community. We know our community absolutely loves women's soccer. You saw that with the U.S. Women's National Team playing Wales at PayPal Park. And they are thirsty. They are thirsty as they've ever been <laughs> to have women's soccer back. So I, I can hardly wait for 2024, but I don't want to look past the Women's World Cup because <laughs> I'm going to see every single second. Yes. We love it, Brandy, and we hope to have you on again while you watch these World Cup games, potentially. But congratulations on Bay FC. Honestly, something we're all looking forward to as well. And really an honor to have you as our very yeah. first guest mm -hmm. on the show. Again, thank you. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say th well, thank you very much. I'm going to say thank you to all of you and congratulations for this great show led by all you great women. So I look forward to watching you and making sure I'm checking in for all the facts on the World Cup as we go along. I mean, look at Ooh. that. She's just leading everything, <laughs> even from afar. Thanks, Brandy. You're the Thank best. You, Brandy. Really. Thanks, Brandy. Thank you, Brandy. Thanks, Brandy. Thank you. Love you all. And we Thanks, go Jordy. from Brandy, a piece of history to the future. We'll be talking Sam Kerr and what makes her so special for Team Australia when we come back. You're going to want to stay here for the breakdown on screen. Welcome back, everybody, to Attacking Third. Darian, when we were thinking about doing our first breakdown segment for this show, the first name on both of our lists was Sam Kerr. Kerr. She oh. is the best goal scorer of our generation. Would mm -hmm. you say that? Oh, 100%. The, 100%. This is a player who is, was a golden boot in three different leagues, Australia, England, and the United States. Still the leading goal scorer in NWSL. And what she does to score goals is worth looking into a little bit more. You were a forward. You know how difficult it is to score <laughs> goals. So we want to look at a couple of plays, mostly of her in Ch at Chelsea mm -hmm. in the WSL. This is a player who can finish in a variety of ways. And th that's why she has been so good over these last handful of years. Absolutely. She's a player that I watched my rookie season to try to emulate. You can see her here. Simple finish with our header, but it's the work she does before. Mm -hmm. We're highlighting her here. She's in front of the defender. The defenders try to step up. She sits in between the seam of the outside back and the center back. Impeccable ball, impeccable finish. Nail in the coffin. She's never going to miss from and, there. And the timing is right because there's no pressure on the ball there. Mm -hmm. So she's always tempting the defender 
back towards the 18, knowing that she wants to space in beyond. She is so good with her head, mm -hmm. but also the what she can do off the ball here. You loved this movie. I loved this. <laughs> and it's not, the finish is impeccable. It's take so much skill, keep your chest over the mm -hmm. ball, keep the ball down. It's her movement. Mm, gonna go there, back there, nope, back here. And then it's this sick volley that is so difficult that she makes it look easy and like she's having a fun time. Yeah, her footwork really prepares her to do whatever is next. And some of the times it's not hard movement because no. she recognizes, especially in this play, this is against Liverpool. Look at all the numbers over here. There's seven players on the right side of the field. So she just stays patient, creeps at the back post, knowing that her teammates know where to play her the ball. Here she is just ready to put it away. Her finishing ability, it doesn't matter what surface it is, right foot, left foot, with her head, she mm -hmm. is the player you want on the back on the back post mm -hmm. at the end of movements. But it's not just that, Darian. To get herself in those positions to score goals really is the buildup. And you kind of talked about that a little yeah. bit. But her movement off the ball entices her teammates to play her into space or to give her the ball in some yeah. what can be difficult situations. Yeah, you, I mean, you know, as a former player, your movement dictates where the pass is going to go. So if you're making it obvious, there you see her running commitment into the box. Again, in between the seam of the, out, the outside back and the center back, she's going to be there to finish. No one else is going to beat her to that ball. And that's why she's always in these positions to score. She's never not near the 18, mm -hmm. ready to finish. She's typically, when you watch Sam Kerr play, whether it's for Chelsea, whether it's for Australia, that's her body positioning. She's mm -hmm. on the half turn because she wants the ball in space and beyond. She's really good at moving her feet to get into those positions to then advance the ball on that first touch, get in behind the back line. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a goalie's worst nightmare to see <laughs> Sam Kerr then 1v1 with them coming towards the goal. Yeah, defender's worst nightmare. She's a menace to the back line, and that's something – as a former player, you're always told, like, be a menace to the back line. Make yeah. their lives so miserable that when they play you, they're like, oh, my gosh. I don't want I, I'm never going to be able to turn on because she never turns off. She's always hunting, always looking to be on the back shoulder, turn again in front of goal, just like we're seeing here, always on her toes. Yeah, and she recognizes the cues, right? The mm -hmm. back pass saying, okay, I'm going to go force and try to keep the player uh, over here against Manchester United. But she doesn't. So then they can get set. Chelsea gets mm -hmm. set in this 4-4-2 block defensively. Australia also likes to play in oh, yeah. this type of formation. So now she's just scanning the field. She's allowing some of her teammates to creep up, engage in higher pressure. And then look at where she's standing right here. It's mm -hmm. right in between the midfield line and the back line. And this is what I love because the defensive work forwards do often put them in this situation. Yep. Where now they're in between the lines. You don't know what to do as a defender. She has a myriad of options here to play. And then she keeps herself alive. She mm -hmm. wants this ball right here at the top of the box. She's motioning to it to her feet. Doesn't get it. There's a little disappointment <laughs> there. Oh, you, always, you always see it. We have you, to. We have to. You have to, to as forward. Give a little to. like, come on, I was open, even if you weren't. But <laughs> yeah, she, she was. Exactly. I think you would have given Sam Kerr the ball there. <laughs> she does so many things well. And that mm -hmm. is why she has 144 goals over the last 10 years yep. in club play. Alex Morgan has 60. That's how good of a goal scorer Sam Kerr is, and I, I think that this was a good player with the host country to break down first. Yeah, I mean, who, we had to choose her. We had yeah, to we had her, to choose her. Place. It's good to see the ins and outs, the breakdown of Sam Kerr's game. Sam Kerr, like you guys broke down, is the 
only player to win Golden Boot in three different leagues, ladies. I mean, she's so quick to capitalize on any opportunity. I mean, they just won against France as well, something to not mm -hmm. let go of, but wow. What a beautiful breakdown, guys, and what a player. Yeah, I mean, you guys touched on all of the fantastic abilities that Kerr has, whether it's her, her speed, her spatial awareness, her physicality, her aerial presence. 19 of her 54 goals this year came with her noggin. Impressive. And she's Oof. also got the championship mentality. Mm -hmm. And that is, is recently, she's saying pressure is a privilege for the host yeah. country, yeah. for Australia. Big. She is ready to ride this wave throughout the World Cup. She's going to need that. <laughs> Speaking of host countries, we will have New Zealand ex-captain Abby Ursin after this break. That gives us perfect timing to welcome in CBS Sports reporter Sandra Herrera. She has been a writer. She has been on the podcast. I mean, Sandra, amiga, bienvenida. We're so happy to have you here for the first show. Gracias. It's great to be here. What a time. I can't believe it. We made it. Sandra, but can you believe this? Like, we're in a studio. We've got you here on the two box on screen. We are talking women's footy on the network three times a week. And it was just like a year ago. We actually interviewed Darian for the oh, podcast. Yeah? Can you believe it, Sandra? <laughs> yeah, of course I can believe it. It's just like our logo. It's just like we drew it up. Hey, I like that, Sandra. I like it. <laughs> awesome. Well, Sandra, I know that you're going to take us through some of these players in the Women's World Cup, that this could be their very last World Cup. We're going to start with Megan Rapino, shall we? Yeah, I guess we got we have to start with Megan Rapino, right? Repping for the U.S. Women's National Team, the favorites heading on into this tournament. This is a player who has notified us, has let us know that she is going to be participating in her final World Cup. Her list of accolades is incredibly long, but so is what she's done off of the pitch as well. She's one of those type of players that is iconic on the pitch, but has also been equally iconic to her teammates and the game off of it as well. I think we're going to be in for a real treat to sort of witness this final ride with her in this World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. And that's the type of iconic player that people are going to keep an eye on. And I would also include Marta in that conversation as well. The 37-year-old Ford has also put everyone on notice and has said, yes, this will be my final ride with Brazil in the World Cup. I don't know if there is a more iconic player. And that's funny, just considering we were talking about how Marta, but she's had an impact not just for Brazil, but globally as well. I don't know if there's going to be another player in our lifetime who has had such a role in clubs in club sport as well. And I think we also have to take a look at Christine Sinclair when we're talking about club and culture. She is someone who hasn't quite yet said, hey, this is going to be my last ride, but I know everyone's going to be watching the 40-year-old she continues to go on and try to get that elusive World Cup for this Canadian national team as the current Tokyo gold medalist. Thank you so much, Sandra. We're looking out for those three players as they get to say goodbye to the game, the international game. Thank you so much for joining us. But first of all, guys, we completed our first yeah. show. Uh, amazing. Go. You can catch it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 4 p.m., and it's still available on podcast form. Welcome back to Attacking Third. This is a perfect time to welcome in CBS Sports reporter Sandra Herrera. 
onto the show. Sandra, amiga, bienvenida to the very first show. Happy to be here. Happy to see you all. Looking good in the new threads. Yeah, Sandra, I mean, can you believe it? Two years ago, we launched this podcast. We did uh, over 400 shows, a couple of them live, a couple of them on location. <laughs> now we're in a studio. We're bringing you in in a two box. Did, did you think this was going to happen? Of course I did. It's well, it's like we drew it up just like the logo. It's what we always imagined, and now it's coming to life. And you guys crushed it. So, of course, the, you, <laughs> we needed you to be a part of this. It's so great to be here and get to hear you guys continue to talk about the game. First sure, Sandra, let's go right into continuing to talk about the game. You're going to tell us about some players that this may be their last World Cup, or they have announced it is their last World Cup. Let's start with Megan Rapinoe. We absolutely have to start with Megan Rapino representing the U.S. women's national team, the top contenders. They've got the target on their back. And she made the announcement. She put everyone on notice. She said, listen, this is going to be my final World Cup. I am going to retire after the conclusion of the 2023 NWSL season. And it was quite the announcement. I think everyone started to think immediately about everything that she has accomplished on the pitch. We're talking about a two-time World Cup champion was the 2019 Golden Ball and Golden Boot winner, has a Ballon d'Or, has a FIFA Women's Best Player of the Year award, right? And this is going to be her fourth Women's World Cup. They're going to rely on her a little bit differently than they have in the past. Both Rapino and Andonovsky have saying that she's going to have a different role coming up in this World Cup, but that's not going to make it any less of an iconic moment for the legend. And I think that's what folks are going to be tuning in for in this World Cup. Try to get a look at these players in their final World Cup because she's not the only player that mentioned that this was going to be her last World Cup. No, Martha had also made the announcement and put it to rest that, yes, this is going to be her final World Cup with Brazil women's national team as well. The 37-year-old forward is going to participate in her sixth ever World Cup. We're talking about icons in the game. Of course, you have to mention Martha in every single equation when you talk about legends in this game. I don't know if we're going to ever have a player in our lifetime to have had such an impact on the game, both for country and for club. This is a player that has absolutely become the face of Brazilian women's soccer, but then has also played in Europe and has been a part of not just one, but two domestic leagues here in the United States, carrying on her shoulders kind of that responsibility of elevating the profile of women's soccer. She also has a ton of accolades on the pitch, 117 goals, most career goals in this World Cup. And I know folks are going to look for Marta to try to add on to that in this upcoming tournament, but we can't leave out an another legend of the game. Christine Sinclair, someone who hasn't actually said this is going to be the last one for me, but I know a lot of folks are curious if this is going to be the final ride for the 40-year-old forward. She is the all-time leading goal scorer in international soccer, men's or women's, and coming on in with Canada as the 2021 Summer Olympic gold medalist. So they're absolutely going to keep an eye on this player in terms of not just what they've accomplished and what they will probably be relied upon in this upcoming World Cup, but whether or not this is going to be the last one for her. Thank you so much, Sandra. We will keep our eyes out on these icons during this World Cup, whether it's their last one or not, When we, in reference to Christine Sinclair. But we'll also make sure to keep, have you on the show as much as possible. We love your insight. Thank you. Well, ladies, we finished our very first show. We did it. How do we feel about that? That, that was the first attacking third. 
Lisa? Live from studio. It was fantastic. I mean, to, to grow the, the game and the conversation with you lovely ladies, to bring in Sandra and have incredible interviews. Yep. We got to talk to legends of the game, and mm -hmm. it's all leading up to the World Cup. Three days, guys. Yeah. Three days. <laughs> it's honestly such a privilege, guys, to be sitting here with you guys, to be talking about women's soccer exclusively on this network, the Golazo Network. They've put so much into this moment. It's an honor to be sitting here with you guys. But just for everybody to remember, attacking third, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Do not miss it. And I know everybody wants to listen to the podcast version as well nowadays. They can also catch that. From Jenny Chu, Lisa, Jordan, Darian, thank you so much for watching us today.